We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. As always, got plenty to talk about today around the world of the NBA. Before we dive into it, though, quick reminder, we'd like to ditch the title of the best kept secret in NBA media. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe right here to the YouTube channel. If you're watching this over on YouTube, turn on those notifications as well. We're still pushing towards 25,000 subscribers. And tell a friend. Tell Don't keep the secret. Tell somebody about the NBA front office show. We certainly would appreciate it. As always, I'm joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Uh, Keith, what, what is the best way to get a secret out there? Is it just to tell it to that super gossipy relative, like like that aunt or whatever that loves yeah. to go? Is that what we have to do? Just yeah, contact that member of our families? Yeah, we all have that family member or that friend who where it's like, all right, if I tell them, everybody's going to know. So you should just be telling them like, hey, there's a show. It's NBA front office show. You can find it on every podcast player. You can find it on YouTube. You know, and then next thing we know, we'll have a million subscribers and we'll be uh, living the high life. So yeah, absolutely. That's how it should go down. I imagine guys, we are today on Apple. We are at 197 ratings. Let's get that over 200, but, mm-hmm. but let's get it over 200 by front office Friday. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little, little, little shout out to everybody there. So uh, a lot of really cool stuff. A lot of people in there are referencing the best kept secret and all those kind of things. A lot of people um, clearly Laker fans uh, coming in and saying Keith's not so bad for a Celtics fan. So I've seen a lot that. of that. Yep. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, this is, you know, this is what we want to do. So I like this one from uh, two Steve four says when opposites attract, uh, I've been following Trevor for years. Love the Lakers nation show and staff. Then Trevor and Keith somehow managed to link up and create my second favorite show. And he puts a puking emoji next to the Celtics fan. Parts. <laughs> we appreciate that. So uh, just like the Lakers and Celtics, these two always bring it with every show. No hot takes, no screaming at each other. Just a phenomenal podcast. Front office show can't remain the best kept secret. Appreciate you both and always looking forward to the next one and front office Friday. So appreciate that, That's man. Right. We really appreciate those. So yeah, keep those coming in. That'll be good. Let's get over 200 uh, ratings before we hit uh, front office Friday in a couple of days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's see if we can get there. And we do appreciate that review and the, and the kind words there. Um, Keith, yeah, I mean, he does mention that, that you're a Celtics fan. I'm a Lakers fan. Somehow, somehow, some way we coexist <laughs> and we get through through this show. Uh, and I guess that's the way to, to springboard into our first topic. Your team, 
the, the cockroaches of the NBA, they will not die, Keith. They won't go away. <laughs> I thought Miami was going to finish them off, but no. Now it's 3-1. I, I tend to, I am just by nature nervous. Anybody who's joined me on playback know that when I'm watching the games, I typically go to like the worst case scenario. So I'm a mess right now, Keith, because in my head, I'm like, oh, God, no. Now the Cinderella story has ended. The Miami <laughs> Heat are about to turn back into pumpkins and the Celtics are going to the finals because that's what's going to happen here. What do we say to the God of death? Not today. That's the Boston <laughs> Celtics. They, they are ready to go, baby. It's a, uh, you know, it's funny. I, so obviously, right. We know how this goes. Your team advances deep into the playoffs. Uh, you, you, you get, when you cover a team, you get more in demand and we've both been doing uh, mm -hmm. our, quite a bit of radio and, uh, you know, appearances and the like and one of the things i've been asked all day today as we record this on wednesday uh afternoon every radio spot i've done is are they going to do this and my my response is being realistic probably not right miami mm -hmm. only needs to win one boston needs to win three that said if there was ever a team that was going to do it i think it would be a team that can defend a team that can have incredible shooting uh, periods, including multiple games in a row against the team that at times has shot terribly for, you know, a period of a week or more on uh, a period of three, four, five games in a row or even more. So it, I still don't think this is going to happen. I think Miami's going to win. I, I don't mm -hmm. know if they win game five, maybe Boston gets it at home and then Miami takes care of it in six. But if it was ever going to happen, this is the kind of situation where I think it needs to be extreme shooting variances on both sides for it to happen um, But with that. And then the last thing I'll say on that part of it is if the Celtics win game five, you're going to you may see a Miami Heat team. That is if it's close. That's pressure that you. you oh, know, yeah. That That's a different kind of pressure than even trying to win a series, close out a series. Like it just becomes like. Man, like you're you're playing then to avoid history, right? And in the bad side of history, and that's where you, know, you start seeing things get tight and just gets messy. And you know, we'll we'll go from there. I kind of think at this point, and it's not that I'm like, ah, oh, whatever happens happens. Because if the Celtics lose in five games or in six, it's still a disappointment, and you know, it wasn't a good season mm -hmm. for them. But they are at this point for this particular series at this moment right now, they're playing with house money a little bit, right? Because it's. No one really expects you to win, so just go out there and do your thing, and you'll play. and And as I keep keep telling people, take it one game at a time, right? You can't you can't you can't make it three three in the next one. You can only make it three two. You 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 win one more to play one more. That that's got to be the approach the rest of the way. Well, and you mentioned the the shooting variance, and that's exactly what happened in, in game four. If you watch that that game, the Celtics shot eighteen to 45, 40 percent from deep. The Miami Heat just eight of 32. So 10 more threes for Boston in that game. 25% from three for Miami. That's the game. That's the game right there. Yep. And as crazy as it is, but that tends to be what NBA uh, games come down to these days. It's who shoots better from three uh, on that particular night. And uh, the Celtics were red hot shooting from deep. And the Heat were very, very much not. And so that creates a blowout win for, for Boston. We'll see what happens in game five. Right now for game five, the Celtics are a heavy favorite, eight-point favorite yeah. in, in Game Five at home. Um, so we'll see what happens here. If, uh, but I, I think they're look. If they win Game Five, suddenly Miami, I think, has reason to be nervous. Now that said, though, from what I've seen so far, the general sentiment—I don't know if the betting lines follow this—but the general sentiment is that whoever gets through, Denver will probably open the finals as the favorite. 
should that be the case? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, I, I mean, if, if Boston somehow magically pulls this off with like three more wins in a row that are comfortable wins and it's like, well, I guess they just needed to have their backs against the wall and now right. they're destroying them. Then I think you could see maybe that that turn. There are some people who are uh, suggesting, I think Matt Moore of the Action Network thinks if Boston got through, they would be the favorites just because of, all right, they've figured something out here with that. But sure. I, I think Denver probably should be the, the, the favorite. I think you know they're probably, if not the best team of these three, they're playing the best right now. I, I don't think that can really be questioned because even Miami going up 3-0, the first two games were anybody's game, right? Boston really kind of fell apart uh, at the ends of both of those games, which is that's kind of a you know unfortunate trademark of theirs and, and a fortunate trademark of the Heat that they do play well um, down the stretch in clutch mm -hmm. games. But yeah, I think Denver should be the favorite. I think you know, they're, they're playing great. And he's starting to feel... Maybe, maybe it's just me feeling this way, but it's just starting to feel like this is Denver's year, maybe, right? And it's all coming together for them in the right way at the right time with the right group of guys that, mm -hmm. you know, they, they may be pulling this off. Yeah. If you, I mean, if you saw the shots they were making uh, against the Lakers, you'd have to feel like perhaps there was a little bit of, bit of divine intervention there that sure. it was uh, maybe just a team of destiny moment. We'll see. Uh, but I do agree with you that the narrative could switch very quickly. If I mean the Celtics won by what eighteen or something like that, seventeen sure. uh, yeah. in, in Game Four, if they do that three more times, that could very easily shift things because especially when we factor in recency bias and all that, they would have just won handily four straight games in a row. That would definitely be a factor when we're looking at who would be the favorite going into the series. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's you know they, there's also too. I mean, Denver's gonna have sat for what like yeah week and a half by the time they play game one game one of the finals i think is june 1st so you know that that's a long time to not have played uh you know there so that's that's going to be something you know to, to factor in as well by the time we get there that's old uh rest versus rust and they were everybody's dealing with some form of bumps and bruises but they weren't mm -hmm. like dealing with like all right, you know, so and so went down with us with a sprained ankle in game, you know, two, and we just got to, you know, this week off is huge because now they'll be back where they might not have been otherwise. They're they're not dealing with any kind of thing like that going on. So, you know, that said, I mean, you know, everybody could use the extra days off, but that that's probably on the extreme side. Probably three or four days is probably pretty good. You know, like ten that that gets to be a lot. So, but we'll see. You know, we'll we'll, we'll see when we get there. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what what ultimately uh, how it all shakes out. But uh, again, we've got a uh, game five coming up in Boston. Then, if Boston wins game five, I think you essentially have to. If you're Miami, you have to win game six. Otherwise, I think that's it. I think that's that's the end. Yeah, uh, I, game six would decide the series. Whoever wins game six would decide. That's that's the way I should put it. Game six would decide the winner of the series in my mind. I'm gonna go. Maybe I'm just you know being crazy here. But I think game five, you know, could, you know, I, I, I just, I, I just think in game six, the amount of pressure on Miami of, we got to do mm -hmm. it now, right? We have to do it now. We have to do it at home. I just, you know, now I'm not going to bet against a guy like Jimmy Butler. Sure. I think, you know, what, 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 that, I'm going to blow the whole quote, but what if pressure makes diamonds or whatever that whole silly quote is. Right. I mean, if, if it's ever applied to anybody, it'd probably be him. Right. But yeah, I do feel like it is one of those things where it's just, you know, all right, let's let's kind of see, you know, where 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 this comes together. But yeah, it's gonna be gonna be a lot of fun. But I'm with you. Yeah, Miami, you you can't you already 
maybe messed up a little bit by letting it get back to Boston in the first place. You can't yeah. let it get back to Boston for a game seven. Like no. that, that's just, you know, you're, you're now you're asking for it. You know, if, if you let that, that be the case. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That would be a big, big, big problem. All right. Um, so depending you know, on who you sorry, believe, can I say one more thing on that? Yeah, too? absolutely. Game seven would be on Memorial day. Like crowd just not worked all day. Probably <laughs> sat around me, maybe having a few beers a here. And a there. little day drinking. Yeah. Yeah. A little, little, little day drinking going on while watching a little, uh, your Memorial day fun. And then, then, then getting into it, uh, you know, uh, did that, that night, like, yeah, that's, it's that, that that's, Ooh. that's a crowd. Like, whew. that could be a recipe for disaster on the NBA level as well. Could be. Yeah, that could that could be some problems. Depending yeah. on obviously depending on how the and obviously we'd hope that sure. nothing happens, but right. yeah, that could that could, I, that I think could spell trouble. It's not a if it was Philly, I think it might be maybe more sure like, that's more, fair. you know, risk there. I mean, not that the Heat haven't become more Celtics rival over the years, but it's not like the Heat fans are gonna pack uh Boston uh, TV Garden either. So yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go. <laughs> love it. You use All right. quote from the pre-show. <laughs> Had to use it. Had to use it. Um <laughs> depending on who you believe, because now we've got uh dueling, I guess, leaks reports here from various sources. The Suns have narrowed down their list between four and 27 coaching candidates, or perhaps they haven't narrowed it down at all. Uh, we, <laughs> don't, we don't really know. Like when you get these, like you get the one-up reports from Woj and from Shams and now Chris Haynes is getting into the mix. And when they're saying different things, I just, I wish we, I wish we could be a fly on the wall or just like have a camera on them in that moment. Like I want to see like what's Shams facial reaction when he looks at his phone and he sees the tweet from Woj contradicting what he's saying or vice versa or hand saying, I want to see how these guys respond in that moment, because I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I got to imagine, right. Woj did his tweet with, they've narrowed it down to four first. and then Shams came out next, like within, you know, what a minute or two later minute, yeah. with, you know, here's the five. And I got to imagine Woj like immediately went back to whoever he got his in, like, wait, did, did I miss a name? Oh yeah. no. And then all, you know, and then here comes, you know, Chris Haynes and the end basically saying, and then fin finalized anything. And there's two more guys. And then you start wondering is like, you know, is somebody sitting here like, wait, I'm still in this. Like, is the son's coach and the son's are like, no, he isn't like, he's not still in it. Like that's, mm. you know, where it gets weird. But yeah, I mean, this to me says though, you know, he, he, are, are you really, you know, super narrowed down even if it's four guys like that's yeah. still a lot of a lot of people to have have in the mix here so this is to me the sun's uh coaching search is still ongoing much yes. like uh those in milwaukee what do we got milwaukee toronto and mm -hmm. uh, uh and detroit detroit and philadelphia right all all, yep. all five of those are still still ongoing you know and mm -hmm. still still working and i can imagine you know if i'm like a guy like nick nurse who's I, we haven't heard him link to the Detroit job. Just I'm guessing that's more on, you know, they're not looking for a, if he uh, called Detroit and said, Hey, I want to coach your exactly. team. I think he would, he yeah. would be the pick. Yeah. Right. So I, I think it's basically a, all right, he's going to go to one of the top teams um, there. So I do wonder though, if you're thinking, if you're him, you're like, Oh man, I could get a nice, maybe little bidding war going here because he seems like he's prominently mentioned in you know, the, yeah. the Philly, uh, Milwaukee and uh, Phoenix jobs. I do wonder, is that the domino that needs to fall in all of this? Like if we're, if you are Philly, it's, 
it could be different in the interview process, right? So maybe their sure. lists are, are are not the same as what mine would be. But if I'm Philly, if I'm Milwaukee, if I'm Phoenix, Nick Nurse is the top of my list. That, that again, I could be off on that. But if it's me, that's the top of my list right now. Maybe that's the holdup is we're just waiting to see which team Nick Nurse picks. As much as we're hearing, well, we cut it to four, we cut it to they, they can't really say this is the guy that we want right now and then have him go, well, no, I'm going to go over to Philly or, or whatever. I'm not going to sign with this team. So I wonder if that's the domino that needs to fall to kind of unlock all the rest of this, kind of like what we see with free agency, where, where mm-hmm. you have a big superstar at the top and everybody's kind of waiting for that one domino to fall and then it opens up everything else. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. And I think also it is it does lean a little to look, if you want him, you better be the, the first mover, right? If he's your guy, you better get him because he's the one definite common name uh, within all three of those uh, top jobs that are open. So, you know, you, you, you better move it if you're going to do it. And then I think, you know, if you're like Milwaukee, you probably start to look at it a little bit of like, how are we going to build this roster out? Right. Are we, are, you know, is he going to want to go to more small stuff with Giannis at the five? Do we pay to keep Brooke Lopez or do we, you know, move in a slightly different direction? What's that going to look like? Is, you know, does Chris Middleton staying become you know, mm-hmm. more or less likely that that's though, those are the things that start to go. You generally we're seeing teams, Unless it's like Eric Spolstra or somebody like that who is obviously ingrained and is going to be there for a while. We're seeing teams less and less build a roster for their coach. It's more of, hey, we expect the coach to be somewhat malleable and figure mm-hmm. it out with whatever roster we give them. But that is something that's definitely you know on the table there of, you know, all right, we, we there's going to be some level of play in there as you build out the roster. Kind of the opposite of, of and college is a little bit different and everything, but it's a, hey, here's the system the coach runs and how can these players fit into that system? Yep. It, it's the complete opposite of the NBA. It's it's how how can the coach adapt to the players? Sometimes, for, I mean, the, the Lakers, man, my goodness, Frank Vogel, the defense first head coach, and they said, hey, Frank, here's no defensive players. <laughs> yeah. Have fun. <laughs> yeah, the only defensive player you have is Anthony Davis. Oh, is by it, the way, he's probably going to miss half the season. He's, he's so, And he's going to be hurt, so there. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's yeah. Event. That does not not uh does, does generally not bode well uh, no. when you when you do it that way. That's like you know, uh, you know I always think of that like in a football term of like oh yeah oh you you want to throw it sixty times a game you know and play you know a, 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 you know spread offense awesome here's a quarterback that can't throw it over ten yards and as accurate as I am yep like and then it's you know it's just never gonna go well like it's just it you know, always becomes a mess it indeed does. Indeed does. All right. Uh, it's another coaching topic here. Monty Williams has declined the opportunity to coach the Pistons. Not a surprise. I think the Pistons just aren't at the place where Monty Williams would like to be right now in terms of contending and all of that. And there's maybe this would be different if there weren't so many jobs available, but Philly, Milwaukee, Phoenix, Toronto, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of openings right now. And so if I'm Monty Williams, I, I get it. I understand it. A little bit like we kind of fall into this trap of, well, there's only 30 head coaching jobs, and so it's hard to turn them down. But right now, the, this is a coaching market that's not typical. There's a yeah. lot of move, lot of openings, and there are attractive openings. So if I'm Monty Williams, this, this makes a lot of sense to say, hey, you know, I, I'll pass on that. I'd rather see if I can go coach Giannis, if I can go coach you know, some of those guys up there in, in Toronto or, or wherever. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, co- completely agree. I, this came from Mark Stein um, in his uh, latest Substack post. It was uh, they were going to pursue Monty Williams if they had won the lottery, uh, even though they dropped to five. Stein reports that they still did uh, pursue him and that he he basically said no. He also adds Monty Williams is owed over $20 million over the next three seasons. Uh, and, he, and he adds to the note of that allows him to be very picky with his next job. And that is absolutely true. You know, he, he would definitely be you know, in a spot where he could then say, all right, you know, I don't need to rush into anything. You know, I'm, I'm in a pretty good place here uh, w- with this. This is also why I've heard some folks suggest, I, I, I know this is definitely a thing with Boston. I don't know if this has been as much with uh, Darvin Ham um, and the Lakers. I, just there's a lot of parallels right to first year sure. head coaches but there's been a lot of you know got to get a veteran coach on the bench you know for mm-hmm. uh for this guy and there were some people like maybe monty williams but i i don't think he's probably my, my guess is he's not interested in that he's probably yeah. you know hey i can wait and kind of bide my time and pick, pick the uh next uh next spot uh, his value has stayed high enough to where i don't think he has to mm-hmm. like rebuild himself as an, yeah, a top level exactly. assistant for a couple of years and then he'll get another shot um yeah. That that's it. So Keith, what's functionally what happens here? Let's say so. Monty Williams has three years left on his deal. He goes. Let's say he signs with Toronto and becomes mm-hmm. their head coach. I don't know, just pick a team. Um, what happens to the money the Suns owe him? Is it is it offset like we would see in, in a buyout situation uh, with a with a player? Is that how that works? Yeah, generally even more extreme than with a player. It's usually whatever they're paid in the new job offsets, or sometimes completely wipes out what they're owed um, from the, from the prior job. So that's sometimes why you'll see it's very rare that a coach would have three years and 20 million left. Right. It's more rare. It might be like one year and like five or 6 million. And then that might be sometimes why you see a coach, you know, the the quote is usually, I'm going to take some time off and spend it with family or, you know, they'll pop up and do TV or whatever. Right. And it's usually because any coaching job is, yeah, exactly. They're getting paid anyway, and any coaching job then wipes that that out. So sometimes it's you know you if you're making six million a year, you take a five million job, you know five million of what you owed is wiped out. Other times it's the entire thing. So yeah, it, it does definitely uh, come into play for sure. 
um, with, with, with these uh, decisions for these coaches. But that's almost always how it works. And most coach contracts, too, they're generally four-year deals. Sometimes they're five. Mm-hmm. And the last year is generally a team option on that where the team decides, you know, all right, we're going to you know, keep the guy. Every once in a while, the Celtics did this with Brad Stevens. Part of how they got him to leave Butler in the first place was they gave him a six-year deal. And the rumor was, that's the other thing, too, right? Coach contracts are not, a, it's not always easy to get information on them. Um, mm-hmm. But the rumor was um, every time Boston extended Stevens' contract, which they did at least twice, maybe three times, um, they basically pushed it back out to six years in length. Um, is hmm. where they went to with that, and that that was that. That's a little bit more on the extreme side, um, with this. So the other funny thing is, it's not really considered to be an opening, but the Spurs job is kind of open because Pop doesn't have a contract for next season. Huh. Um, that it's been uh, you know, out there by reported by a handful of different folks. So, you know, it sounds like he has every intention, which I'm sure. You know, yeah, he's not gonna pass up uh, coaching Victor Wambinyama, but um, it, it sounds like you know, they'll, they'll, and I'm sure that's just a matter of, eh, it's fine. I'll just sign it day one of training camp or whatever. I don't really care because uh, no coach is as linked with his organization as he is. But just you know, worth kind of mentioning out there because it it is still floating around. Right, right. Yeah, I don't think he's leaving or anything yeah. like that. But but good to know. Yeah, because that we don't mention them when we talk about the the teams that need a coach right now. And it's because everybody just assumes he'll he'll be yeah. back whenever he decides. Whatever you know, over a bottle of wine, he'll uh, he'll sign his contract, and yeah. and that'll be that. That's yeah, um, probably exactly how he'll retire too. Is quietly absolutely. over a bottle of wine, he'll be like, "Yeah, I'm done. I'm yep. good." Yeah, yep. my guess is, let's say two, three more years, probably. You know, let's shepherd Wambinyama through his early years and see see what it becomes, and then then he'll probably reevaluate. But I also tend to think too. I, I very much believe I remember he talked about this uh, once here when he was in Orlando. This was a few years ago um, before it was pre-pandemic. That's how long ago it was. And he said, what else am I going to do? <laughs> like, I'm a basketball right. coach. Like, what else am I going to do? So I thought that that was yeah, really interesting, too. That's true. I mean, there hit you hit a point where the travel and everything starts to. I mean, sure. we heard that a ton with Phil Jackson, where yeah. just traveling that much gets to be a lot um, as you get older. But. You know, at that point, okay, you go hang out in the front office and you do some things like that. And I think Pop can do that sort of stuff to stay involved. But if he wants to keep coaching, he might as well keep doing it. As well, keep doing it. Exactly. Why not? Um, All right, Keith. This is another Celtics topic here. High demand. This is the report. There's there would be high demand. Shocking. High demand if the Celtics were to were to listen to Jalen Brown offers. I think that was a lot of the oh my gosh, what if they get swept? burn everything to the ground knee-jerk reaction right like that's that's the way and that's sure. the way we we approach things right yeah. we we live in that you know what has happened most recently and this is what we need to react to uh world but nonetheless there's some complicating factors here of course Jalen brown with the, the new super max now that's available for him or will be um I, I i still i can't imagine them trading him at this at this moment if things completely fall apart and if any of the rumors about discord in the locker room are, are correct, maybe that's a bridge you cross this summer, but I'd still be really surprised if that's where we, where we end up here. Yeah. I, my thing, and I have said, if they you know were to lose an embarrassing fashion in this East finals, you have to make changes. Right. And I, I don't think Joe Missoula goes anywhere. I would, you know, 
be in favor of them moving to a different, more experienced coach if that's the direction they wanted to go. But I don't think that will happen. Just again, owed money. He got given the full-time job with some length of contract extension mm-hmm. um, to go along with that. So, so ultimately when I get into all this stuff with these guys is I look at it and I say, yeah, changes doesn't, we instantly, when we say they need to do changes, people instantly go to, oh, they need to blow it up. Yeah. Blow it up make changes sometimes that's all right you know the core group of guys have been together here maybe we move on from a couple core guys and that doesn't mean the two all nba guys right you could look at all right we've done the marcus smart thing for a decade rob williams has been here a half decade and he's rarely been healthy you know maybe we look at exploring something with that we've got kind of a glut of guards with smart and white and brogdon you know maybe one of those guys gets moved on from but when it applies to Jalen Brown specifically, as I've said for months now, and now we know he's made All-NBA, he is Supermax eligible. <clears throat> if the Celtics offer him the Supermax and he turns it down, they have to look at trades. If he turns that down. But I, I, down. Do you, yeah. but do you realistically think he would, like if you were his agent, you would not advise him to turn that down. Yeah, so there's another challenge too. He he at least early in his career has operated as his own agent. Um, sure. He does have someone helping him now, but yeah, anybody who's advising him is going to say, take it. We all know how it works in the NBA. You take it. And then if you're not happy a year or two in, you ask for a trade then it's just, you know, it's, I, I don't get worked up over that stuff anymore because it's, we, we've all collectively made our bed with this and mm-hmm. we're all just going to have to lie in it now. But I think with Jalen Brown, that's where you go, right? Now, this has been pointed out, the Celtics don't have to offer him the full Supermax. They could say, True. hey, we're going to give you a five-year deal at you know 33% of the cap. And that's something the Utah Jazz did with Rudy Gobert a couple of years ago. Now, part of that was designed around, we need to keep flexibility for when Donovan Mitchell is up for a potential Supermax, because at the time could only have two, right? Those of all those restrictions have all been lifted and removed. So so now you're in a spot where you you can kind of do whatever you want with those things. But the other challenge comes in the whole super tax, right? Of you know, can you build a functional roster with two players who combined will be making $120 million? Like, you know, can you? Like we we don't know. We're gonna find out, right? Where we're gonna see because someone's gonna do it eventually. I think there's a good chance it'll be Boston, um, you know, with these two guys, and then that probably means other changes will come. But it that, that's all part of this, you know, calculus here of of that. And it could also be look if we got swept in this East Finals, or even if they lose in five, and everybody's like, we cannot run this back. Well, then of course Jalen Brown becomes the biggest possible trade chip, you know, that's that's probably on the market this entire summer mm-hmm. because it's second team all NBA guy. Right. So the, the, those players don't come available very often. And that would be, all right, you know, Hey, if we want to do a major reset, you know, really kind of, you know, not blow it up, but really we, we still want to be a contender. We want to retool here on the fly and into you know, whatever our next iteration is. He probably becomes the guy you put out there. So, you know, the high demand stuff that to me is like, okay, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Right. Like if they, they, they put it out there tomorrow, you know, Hey, we're going to listen to any offers on Jalen Brown. 29 teams are calling and making great offers because he's, he's Jalen Brown. Exactly. I mean, that's just, just the reality of it. Exactly. Exactly. I made that exact point. Um, just a little bit ago, I did radio in, in Atlanta today 
and uh, and because there was you know the rumors linking the Lakers to to Trey Young, uh-huh. and they were they weren't being rude or anything like that. I don't mean to say it like this, but they kind of scoffed at the idea sure. that the Lakers would have anything you know that the the Hawks would actually want for Trey Young, which I agree with. I, I don't think the Lakers have enough assets to go get him. But I said, look, if if Trey Young is actually on the market. 29 teams yep. have to be having that conversation, yep. even if, if it's internally. Same thing with Jalen Brown. If you if he is on the market, even if you don't think you have anywhere close to enough, you still have to have that conversation. If you're not, you're not doing your job. And, and that's just the way the way it's going to be. So if Jalen Brown hits the market, yeah, there's going to be everybody's going to be interested to it's some degree, even teams KD. that don't have enough. Last summer, right? Everybody called the Nets. On Absolutely. KD it's KD. Now, I'm going to say this. I think these situations starting this this summer as the new CBA comes in and the whole super tax components, these are going to become more often than they are less often. Because what you're going to see is teams are going to have to make difficult decisions on these players where it's going to be, everyone only got a year left. Like we got to figure this out. Can we lock into player X and player Y for, you know, basically our, almost our whole salary cap. And then say, all right, it's going to be drafting guys and minimums around them because it's all we have. It is literally all we have is, you know, either run back the roster as is make, you know, what would be fairly minor-ish trades if that's mm-hmm. the direction we want to go because that, that's what we can do. I mean, these rules are so restrictive on these teams. Now, some of them start this summer. Most of them start the summer 2024. But team building horizons are anywhere between a one- and five-year window that you're really kind of looking at because that's generally how long most contracts run. With these new advent of the super tax and all this, mm-hmm. everybody's really kind of operating in a two-year window here of or we get two years to get our stuff in line to figure out what we want to be. If we're a title contender, all right, maybe we're okay with being the super tax and we're going to push it and we'll see where it all ends up in a few years. But if we're not a title contender, we could have some different kind of questions. And that's that's going to drive you know, things like this, teams that have multiple max or near max players, it's probably going to be at least one or two of them is at least discussed in some realistic form or fashion for trade every single summer from here on out, just because that's just going to be the way you're going to have to do this. Yeah, that, that super tax is uh, that whew, that thing is going to be a real, real burden for a lot of teams to try to figure out how to navigate. You know, I was talking about this with somebody earlier today. I was talking about, um, or no, it was late last night. I was talking about the um, the whole draft pick thing, where if you've been in the super tax for so long, then your draft pick seven years away automatically goes to the back of the draft. Like, and that's right when you would be rebuilding and everything. To me, that's like, you you know, the movie Office Space. Yeah, yeah. Which is one of one of my favorites. Right? One of my favorites. Hated it when I saw it in the theater because I don't think they marketed it correctly. I was not expecting it to be that kind of movie, but but it's grown on me. I love that movie now. But mm-hmm. that scene where they take the the PC load letter printer, yeah, uh, copier, and they take it out in the field and they like gangland <laughs> style. They just yes. beat it down and they're. It's like that. Egg, Michael Bolton comes running back in and gets that last second shot in right at the end, and they're dragging him away. That draft pick thing in the super tax is like that last that final just stomp to the sternum of of teams that have have these high salaries it's like they added a bunch of stuff to try to force teams to break up their their high salary teams and then went yeah let's get in one more shot and let's make sure that your draft pick goes all the way to the end of the first round this is going to be legit and teams are gonna teams are gonna have to make some very difficult decisions as a result of this thing 
Absolutely. I mean, it, we'll, we'll obviously get way deeper into this stuff as we get into to to you know the summer and the off season, all these things. We're gonna see some contracts that look a little weird too, where it's like, why that guy get twenty five million? Yeah. Instead of you know, I felt like he was a fifteen million player. Well, what you're gonna do is, as long as you don't go so far that it becomes like an untradeable contract. As long as it's like, Gary, right, we can do 25, as long as we can supplement it with something else. What we're going to run into in these situations is um, what we're going to run into teams being in a spot where it's going to be, all right, well, I can't, I can no longer aggregate together a $12 million player mm -hmm. and a $13 million player to go get a $25 million player. Because not only can I take back dollar for dollar or less than I send out in trade. I don't even get the little buffer anymore on top of that. I can't aggregate salaries together anymore. I can only send one player out in a deal for stuff. Mm. So you're going to see some of these players. It's what they're going to do is they're going to turn some of these guys and they're going to be basically like, hey, we're turning them into a walking trade exception simply because like we, we need the ability to do something, right? We have to have something in mm -hmm. trade um, there to, to be able to send a match salary. Now I, Mr. Salary cap numbers, roster stuff here. I, I don't like boiling players down to a contract number, Sure, but I feel a lot less bad when somebody is getting like $10 million more than they should, because I, 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 I was I just thinking, like, I will gladly be a walking right? trade exception yeah, exactly. for somebody. So yeah. <laughs> I will do that happily. $100 bills and be just fine. I'm not, yeah. not too worried about you, you know, in that situation, but you know, that that's, we're going to see things like that happen where it becomes, you know, team, teams are going to have to operate that way because it's going to be kind of the, the only way forward. So it's, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. And this is all going to start, you know, at the draft, right? You're going to have mm -hmm. teams that make decisions that are going to look really curious on their face where it's like, why would they do that? And then you're going to tune in to listen to us, break it down later. And it's going to be like, this is a super tax trade, right? This is what this is in avoidance to, you know, there. So it may be like, man, that player's really good. You know, why are they, you know, letting that guy go for a player who's far less? Well, it's probably going to be to try to get the books in order over the next couple of summers. Right. And that's where you and I are going to be very, very busy yeah. trying to explain. That's why you should subscribe and tell people so we can yes. all be educated and smart and ready to go. That's right. That's right. Make sure you do hit that subscribe button. All right. Uh, last thing we've got as we get closer to the draft is less than a month away somehow. Somehow here we are. <laughs> but teams are unhappy with players sitting out at the combine now teams are now having more access to medicals and things mm -hmm. like that. So they are, they're moving things in a positive direction from the team perspective, but teams just pre-draft teams want all the information they can get and they want players to be playing and they want to be able to get a look at them. Um, it's been, it's always been this way where players try to game the system a little bit, try to steer towards certain teams that they feel like they're in a really good spot and playing if you have a, a, a bad shooting performance right that could knock you down on draft boards so players are very careful with their their draft stock and so i'm not surprised the teams are unhappy but i also understand why players would do this particularly if if you have a guy who's projected to be the 10 seed and he's going to be on the floor with a guy who's the 20 seed and plays the same position that 10 seed guy probably doesn't help him any to be out there right so I understand why players do this kind of stuff, just as I understand why teams would be frustrated because they need every shred of information they can get on these guys before they're going to make decisions that are worth multiple million, multi-millions, right? That's that's the yeah. reality. Yeah, and, and to be clear, 
there was a lot of reporting around new rules in the new CBA around the draft. And, but all that starts with the next draft 2024 yeah. because 2023 is still governed under the current CBA. So it let, let's, I'm going to flash forward and then we'll come back to this year in starting in 2024 players have to go to the combine and they have to take part in a whole bunch of stuff. Now there's a whole list of reasons they can be excluded and we're going to see guys game the system with some of those, right? And some of those are injury related. Obviously if a player is hurt, you're not going to make them go through workouts and those kind of things. There's stuff like if a player would be forced to miss their graduation, if they would be forced to miss a significant life event within their family, Sure. Those kind of things can happen. If they're an international player and their team is still playing, obviously they're not going to come uh, to the combine. But they're, what they're trying to do is two twofold here. Get the vast majority of players into the combine. Then there's going to be a panel that's going to decide who the top players are. They will have to undergo mandatory medical exams. That will happen, and then that information will be distributed amongst teams at the, the you know, within their draft range that the, this panel has determined. My guess is this is going to be a combination of team, league, and media executives who say, "All right, Victor Wembanyama's draft range is number one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Scoot Henderson's it's one through three. Uh, you know, Amen Thompson it is you know one through seven or whatever it is, and they'll get all that stuff figured out. They'll slot those guys into those groups, and their their medical information will be shared." But the other piece is, if you're there, you're not going to have to scrimmage, but you're going to have to go through the workouts. You're going to have to go through the measure measurements and all those sorts of things. And why they're trying to do this is it's just a leveling of the playing field, right? It's players' last period of control in the draft is who they want to work out with and meet with and what they want to do is because otherwise, that's it. Team now controls you for the next nine years if they draft mm -hmm. you in the first round. When I say it's nine years, four years on your rookie deal and up to you know, matching a five-year offer on your next contract. It can be as little as five years because you could say, all right, I'll just sign my qualifying offer in my fifth year and become yeah. a free agent. And we're going to see somebody do that it's eventually. It's rare, but uh, sure. Yeah, but you know, and, and it'll happen again at some point. But you're really a team – you know, first eight, nine years of a career, pretty well controlled um, by, by the team that drafts the player if, if they want to, to have it go that way. So what is going to happen here is these guys are going to come in. Teams are going to get more information than they've ever gotten. What happened this year, 37 players that were at the combine did not take part in the scrimmages. Very few guys who were even on the first round bubble took part in the scrimmages. There's a handful of guys that were between, you know, let's say as of, you know, the time of the combine between 25 and like 35 did that, that scrimmage. Um, but very few, you know, most of them sat out. They, they didn't even take part in the scrimmages. Now, some of the guys who did, um, you know, they, they boosted their stock, right? There, there's a handful of, of players up. Uh, Brandon Podziemski from Santa Clara, you know, he he definitely moved up on some draft boards. Uh, Olivier Maxence Prosper of uh, Marquette, he definitely moved up um, on the draft board. So those guys are, you know, guys who have climbed up. Ben Shepard of Belmont, um, the, the, these are guys here um, that, that all moved now. Like they, not, none of them cracked into the top 20, but they're all in that 25 to like 35 range. So that puts you in the range of being a first round pick. So those guys took advantage, but teams want more players out there. They want more players doing stuff. So we felt like it was just a good topic to get into uh, with this. This all, all this detail and stuff came from Jeremy Wu of uh, he's now with draft express as part of ESPN. Uh, if you don't know Jeremy's draft stuff, he had been doing draft stuff for sports illustrated for 
long time and he is excellent. He essentially took the, um, uh, uh, gosh, I can't think of his name now. I just lost his name. Uh, Mike, um, Schmitz, Mike Schmitz. Yeah. He yeah, essentially took Portland Mike now. Schmitz now mm-hmm. he's in the Portland front office. Uh, Jeremy took that uh, assistant Jonathan Gavoni um, over there at ESPN. So, you know, great, uh, great, great get for ESPN with Jeremy do, doing a lot of draft stuff. And, you know, he's really well connected, gets a lot of really good intel. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's where a lot of this uh, reporting came out of as the combine wrapped up uh, at the end of last week. So good, good stuff over on ESPN about this, but we thought it was worth, you know, throwing into the show. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we're, we're going to sprinkle in more and more draft stuff. We're going to have Sean Davis come in and do some draft stuff for us as well. Uh, as we get closer to the draft coming up on the 22nd. So crazy. We're like four weeks. It's going to be draft night before we know it. It's going to be draft night and, uh, the draft starts at at pick number two and and we'll talk all about that. And then we breathe for like a day and then it's a free agency starts. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then free, free agency starts like immediately. Um, uh, in fact, I think I think deals probably get reached like even before the draft. But probably, I think but they, they be, it's starting to be a little more quiet. Sure, about a that. little bit. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm very curious to see because there were some stuff in the CBA about announcing deals and all that yeah. stuff and how that's going to be impacted. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm not going to do my whole soapbox. Everybody knows I think tampering is the stupidest thing that happens yeah. and should not even be punished. But whatever. We that that's that's a topic that I've talked many times. Yeah, and I think it's we'll see more of it this year, of course. Somebody will do it. Somebody's going to, you know, five minutes after the buzzer sounds, it's going to be like, you know, uh, a, a sign-and-trade deal or something like that comes through, and everybody's going to go. Gonna Some raise super eyebrow, complicated but... four-team deal that yeah. involves kind of sign-and-trades and draft right. rights and everything else. Yeah, it'll be some some silly nonsense will, will happen, I'm sure. Hey, at least it's not at midnight anymore. No, that is absolutely true. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, let's wrap things up there. Appreciate everybody for joining us again. Make us the not the best kept secret in NBA media. Tell somebody, tell that that gossipy relative of yours to put the word out about us, about our show. Find us on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NBA front office. Of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.